Hello and welcome to Friday Formula, a weekly motorsport podcast where this week we're going full tilt for 84% of the episode as we tackle the Temple of Speed, Monza. I'm Owen Bellwood and as always I'm joined by Will Longman. How are you doing this week, Will? I'm good. I'm trying to figure out where we're starting the episode. Are we like starting on the 16% like breaking zone? Are we going a little bit slow for the beginning? We're going to get like raging in for the for the next four fifths. Yeah, I think we ease ourselves in and then we'll speak really fast and really loud and really passionately. And that'll be the 84%. If you'd have told me, I'd have got my uh, rich energy out. And had a couple of cans to kick in and really, really take this podcast to the next level. That's what's needed. That's what's needed. <laughs> but it is uh, supposedly it's eighty four percent of the lap is at full throttle uh, if you're doing doing a race in Monza, which is the highest percentage on the calendar. Is that in terms of like the time you've got your foot to the floor, or like in terms of where on the track you are? Oh. Uh... 84% of the 5.79 kilometer lap is at full throttle. Yeah, I'll be, be interested to know how that compares to the percentage of like the time, if that makes sense. Yeah, because the areas where you're slower are going to account for more time. Yeah, and obviously the straights, which take up a longer distance, will actually be less time. Yeah. Riveting stuff to open this week's episode. It's definitely not the 84%. Uh, but we were racing in Monza this weekend. We had uh, the return of Formula 1 to Italy with uh, qualifying on the Friday, sprint race Saturday, full race Sunday. Did you catch up with most of the weekend? Yeah, I saw everything. A rare weekend where I got to watch all of the sessions. Um, and it was all pretty excellent. What What was your view on the sprint race? Because... I saw a lot of waffle on Twitter and it, it annoyed me and I have opinions about it. The waffle annoyed you or the sprint race annoyed you? The waffle annoyed me. Ah, interesting. I thought the sprint race was all right. It's weird because it feels like it should be really exciting. But Friday's qualifying, I think, was more exciting than the sprint race. The sprint race was cool, like... The first few laps were really good. It was nice seeing Daniel make up a few places uh, because he'd qualified in fifth, I think it was. So he managed to jump Lando and get a little bit higher up. And then we had Lewis getting overtaken by quite a few people and having to try and get past Lando. But it just didn't seem quite as exciting as it was in Silverstone. I think it was because everyone's going full tilt. It's maybe a bit harder to overtake. I'm glad they've tried it on a different circuit. Uh, I'm intrigued to see them try it again. I kind of feel like it needs to be its own separate thing, though. It feels like this is the second sprint we've done, and it's the second one where Lewis Hamilton's like lost out places. And I'm not saying that it's like sprint racing favours Red Bull or anything like that. Like It is down to some driver error, error and mistakes on his part, but it's a shame that you can qualify so well and then lose out in the race and it's especially yeah. weird this weekend how Bottas qualified at the front of the grid for the sprint won the sprint but then Max Verstappen got pole position yeah it was strange I didn't realize that went down in like the books mm. that it's a Max Verstappen pole position 
that is weird. I, I don't know. I never realized that because I thought like in Monaco, for instance, where Max started, yeah, in like the second grid slot, but he was the first car because Charles didn't make the grid. But Charles still gets pole position, even though he's not there. He's just a did not start. It was all very weird. And yeah, there are some things that need to be kind of cleared up, I think. Yeah. Or just make a bit more common sense. Especially because at Silverstone, they said the winner of the sprint was on pole. So surely Bottas should have been listed as on pole because he did win the sprint. Yeah. Even though he then had to take a grid penalty. It was just a bit odd. But what did you think? What was the waffle that annoyed you? So it was everyone kind of saying, ah, sprint races are awful, let's never do them again. That was boring. Blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't because it was a sprint race. Like, if you compare 18 laps of the sprint race to the first 18 laps of the Grand Prix, they were equally as exciting. Nothing really happened. They, You know, it was, yeah, there was a little bit of a tussle for the lead in the Grand Prix, and there was a bit of drama, whatever. But it wasn't because it was a sprint race that it was boring. It was boring because sometimes racing is boring. Yeah. It just is. We've sat here and talked about races that we don't want to ever talk about because they were awful. And it's just lap after lap after lap of nothing. And that's what we got in the sprint race. And so it's not it's not sprint racing's fault. <laughs> it, it's just a problem with Formula One in general. And that yeah. should be solved next year with the new regs. But I hope that we don't lose the chance to do it next year because we had a slightly boring 18 laps in Monza. Mm-hmm. Do you think it'll all be down to the new regs or are there any changes to the sprint racing format that you think would help? Uh, Lando Norris has said that he'd like a super soft, super uh, degradable, is that a word? Degra- super degrading tyre? Yeah. Uh, so that people maybe can't push us flat out or maybe have to go in the pits and things. Are there any tweaks like that that you'd like to see? Yeah, they could bring in a tyre one step down from the kind of Grand Prix 3, couldn't they? I don't want them to mess with the, the grid order. I don't I don't no. I don't like that idea um anymore. I don't you know. Um maybe forcing everyone to start on the same tire as well. Which I thought was interesting for qualifying is that everyone had to use the softs in every run. But like the faff being stripped out of qualifying is something that is needed, I think. Yeah. It was I'm happy they're doing these trials. I'd like to see another trial. And I don't think it'll work every circuit. That's what's quite nice about the diff like here in Silverstone are very different tracks that we've seen it on. Mm. So there's definitely going to be some that it works with and some that it doesn't. So more more work needed. I don't think they need to chuck it out. And it also like I've seen I can't remember where it was. I saw on Twitter and it was like the viewing figures for Friday practice compared to Friday qualifying. And it was like, it was for the US and it was like 70,000 people versus 500,000 people. Yeah. So I think that alone is going to make them make some changes. Um, I don't know. I liked it. It was fun. One of the... uh... I, this had never happened in a million years, but there's kind of this thought of like, don't let it set the grid for qualifying or anything. Like, just do like a sprint series throughout the season. 
one of the cool things they could do is bring in some young drivers. So a bit like young drivers racing in free practices, maybe make it so you have three sprint races a season and you have to run a young driver in one of them and give them some racing experience rather than just going around the track all the time. Yeah, yeah, because that's a rule at the minute, isn't it? That people have to field a young driver in free practice or something. Yeah, and I think they're expanding it next season as well to make it mandatory. Hmm. That'll be great, but there's still not enough seats for all the young drivers. So... No, but the more opportunity <laughs> so we'll they get to show their stuff, the better. Mm-hmm. True. But so the sprint set the grid for Sunday's race, uh, and despite Bottas winning the sprint, he had an engine penalty, so start at the back, which meant that we had Max Verstappen in pole position, Daniel Ricciardo in second, Daniel Ricciardo in second, <laughs> uh, Lando Norris was third, uh, Lewis was fourth, and then we had Leclerc, Sainz, Giovinazzi, Perez, Stroll, and Alonso making up the top ten. Crikey. So that, I think that was the best thing about it, was that it did give us a really nice mixed up starting grid. Yeah, it did. But it was also kind of what kind of what we expect. Like, we knew McLaren were going to be strong here. And so maybe it just played into their hands that it just so happened that the sprint race happened this week. Mm. You know, I, would, I think they would have possibly been a contender for third and fourth anyway. And they were on, the, on for the win anyway, mate. Wow. So everyone lined up on the grid. Um, Gasly started in the pits for some brake issue, I think, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, no, he had a throttle issue. Was it the opposite of brakes, I guess? <laughs> the lights went out, and then Danny had an absolute blinding start and seemed to get past Max on the way into the first corner, had completed the move by the end of the chicane, and then the rest is history. He just led from them. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> see you next week. Were you were you kind of surprised to see him take the lead so early on? I kind of I thought he was going to be fighting for the win, but I didn't expect to be leading twenty cars from the end of the first lap. No, it was so we like in my head. I can't remember it, like a single race where Max Verstappen's got a decent start. Maybe last weekend in Netherlands he had a good start and he yeah okay he pulled off into the distance quite quickly, but he seems to be quite prone to having these terrible starts and Perez as well, mm. um, and we've never really seen the McLarens in that position where they've got no one ahead of them, and like the only times that <laughs> Lando is a good starter, but like the last time he had a blinding start he got taken out by Valtteri Bottas in Hungary, so. I mean, yeah, obviously we were surprised, but it was a scenario that we'd not had for ever, I guess. Yeah. How excited were you when he pulled into the lead? I was, I was just so happy. Because <laughs> he's, he's had a fair few struggles this year. So seeing him qualify fifth was really pretty good. Like he was only a tiny bit behind Lando. And like he was disappointed with that, I think. He thought they, he was going to be higher up. So then to make up the places in the sprint was great. And then just to see him like stamp his name on the win from the off, mm. I was so happy. And then to see like Lando up there as well, 
Like obviously Lewis got ahead of Lando off the line, but then later in the race, he was there defending again and keeping a seven-time world champion at bay for quite a few laps. So it was kind of a whole little little McLaren bundle of happiness. Yeah, and it actually seemed like they were where they belong. Mm. Like it wasn't like seeing the Alpines at the front with Aston Martin. That was a, that was bizarre. But when it was McLaren again, it was like, oh yeah, this this feels right. Yeah, because like a McLaren one two is something that we've seen a lot. Like when we were talking about the history of the Netherlands Grand Prix, the last second last race there was a McLaren one two, whereas an Alpine win still something very new. Yeah, it was. Yeah, new team. Uh, but so everyone got away, and then we had our first little Hamilton Verstappen tussle. They came out the Curva Grande. Hamilton tried to get around Verstappen. Verstappen pushed him wide, and then as all that was kicking off, Giovinazzi spun off, lost his fantastic seventh place start, almost took out one of the Ferraris in the process. I think didn't he? Yeah, it was his fault, wasn't it? Because he kind of rejoined the track. In a dodgy manner, <laughs> he can't yeah. really come come on at uh, the the second chicane like he did, and just come straight back across the track. That's kind of why they have that runoff, don't they? And it was how he he didn't even like stay on the right hand side; he just went straight across the track. He didn't really yeah. look out to see if anyone was there. So that was a shame because I would have quite liked to see what he could have done from seven. Yeah, I think I was certainly getting ready to like eat my words about what we've said about him over the last few weeks and months because he had a great qualifying. He kept it up in the sprint race and all the signs were kind of pointing towards him scoring Alpha's first points and doing it in style, but no. No, it was not to be. Shocking home race for him, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But then, yeah, like you said, with the sprint, we sort of got into a little rhythm after that first lap madness. And that kind of carried on with everyone kind of sitting in line until the pit stops when it all kicked off after a very slow stop for Red Bull. Like, as soon as... It didn't even look like a wheel got stuck. It just seemed like he was there forever. And there comes a point when you're just like, this is too long for a pit stop. It's like a retirement. It was like 11.1 seconds, I think. So did they officially say what it was, or are we just assuming it was the sensors? I haven't seen anything saying the cause. Like at the time, I think the commentary team said there was something wrong with one of the wheel guns. But then when you watch it back, you see them all, put them on, and then come back yeah. ready for the car to go. So the wheel guns all have sensors that are connected to the traffic lights. So when the wheel gun registers that the nut is tight enough, it triggers a sensor which sends a signal and once it gets all four signals it makes the um green light appear and the driver goes off and that's what they've just changed because they now hold them for a tenth of a second before that light changes for some reason and what seemed to have happened was the sensor just hadn't been triggered by that front right tire gunner because someone like tapped him on the shoulder and was like I need to do it again yeah. and, and he did and then it changed but it's just a case of overcomplicating things, isn't it? Like, just put your hand up and go. Like, 
do an old fashioned style, put your hand up and, and, and let's get the spinny lollipops back. <laughs> yeah, I think they brought it in because, I mean, the examples I can think of were like the Haas pit stops from 2019, where they sent both cars out and one after the other, a wheel came off. So I guess it's to stop issues like that from repeating themselves. Kimi last year in Austria as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's another one. So there have been a few little mistakes. Like I can understand being cautious, but if that's what it was that resulted in such a slow stop for him, he'd be livid. Yeah. He had his really slow stop. And then a few laps later, Lewis came in and had like a slightly slow stop. I've got down that it was 4.2 seconds. And because of Max's slow stop, that then brought Lewis out level with him. Before though, before we talk about it, let's give some credit to Lando because Lando didn't let Lewis, well, I guess it's kind of the slow stop, but Lando didn't let Lewis overcut him and he managed to regain the position in the pits. Yeah, because Lewis got past Lando when Max was pitting. Yeah. And then Lando kept his position ahead. Which is just more brilliance for McLaren. Just... Because they got fastest pit stop as well from the weekend, so none of this four point two second oh, rubbish. That's all really counts. All around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Lewis came out just behind Lando. Max was just behind him. Into the first corner, Max went wide. Well, around the outside, and then depending on who you ask, <laughs> Lewis didn't leave enough space for Max to come out. They their rear wheels connected, Max hit the curb, and then ended up on top of Lewis. Whose fault was it? (laughs) (laughs) It's easy to say it now, because the penalties have been given, etc, etc. But I I think it was Max's fault. I think Lewis isn't entirely innocent. No. But Max should have cut the corner... Let Lewis have the position, try again in a little bit. Yeah, and like both uh, that first chicane and the second one at Monza, I feel like they're the corners where you see the most people trying moves and then cutting the corner or not making the breaking zone. It's just something that you kind of associate with Monza. Well, at least I do. I'm like, oh, you can't make the corner, you go off. And it looked like Max wasn't going to make the corner, so I don't understand why he didn't go off. I think it's part of that like elbows out mentality that he's got, isn't it? That yeah. he hasn't really... He showed it at Imola, didn't he? Where Lewis cut the corner. And yeah, you don't really see Max concede very often. No. And I think that's why it is now twice that the two of them have come together in calamitous style because Lewis isn't going to win if he always gives in when Max tries to shimmy him out the way. Yeah. And it's fantastic to watch, but I wish we got a little bit more. We haven't had any wheel-to-wheel with them recently. No, there was quite a few, like, was it Bahrain at the start of the year where they both got quite dicey and that was really exciting to watch. But now it's just like, if they get too well, it was they're both off. It was so good it even made Paul Ricard a good race. I know. That's madness. Maybe that's it. We need to wait for the boring circuits again. So well, Sochi. it is Russia next. Sochi might be great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's, who do you think was, was to blame then? Like, I would have, when it first happened, I was just like, eh, racing incident. 
was kind of unavoidable. Just leave it be. But I do, I think, probably think Max should have given a bit more space. I don't understand why a curb can lift a car up onto another car, though. That feels like something that needs tweaking. But then I don't know if yeah. it's just because of the way, like, the rear wheels bashed, if, like, they spun each other up. Or, who knows? They'll probably send Alex Albon out to recreate it next week, so we'll find <laughs> out then. I thought it was it kind of interesting and maybe a bit telling that after the Silverstone crash, Christian Horner and all the Red Bull team were like, it's Lewis's fault, it's Lewis's fault. Sack him. And after this one, they were like, it's a, probably just a racing incident, you know, uh, these things happen. Yeah. Like, yeah, racing incident. Rather than trying to pass the blame off. So I guess maybe they themselves thought Max was yeah. a little more to blame. And they're not appealing the um, penalty either. I said that to some people at work. I was like, as soon as he didn't say it was Lewis's fault, you kind of knew that it was Max's fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was quite the giveaway. Yeah. But that obviously made the race quite exciting. Big question. Do you think Daniel Ricciardo would still have won if they hadn't crashed? Ooh. Um, That is... Tuffy, I can't remember how far. I'm assuming he was about 10 seconds ahead, right? Yeah, I think something like that. Yeah, I think so. I don't think he would have lost a 10-second lead. And I think those two, if they'd both still been running, would have spent so long trying to overtake each other. And Lando. Yeah, and Lando. That he probably would have secured his win even more. (laughs) Yeah. Because he's also going to eventually start getting lapsed traffic between them. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that it didn't happen that way because I think the second half of this race was so much more exciting than the first. And one of the best maybe 40 minutes of racing of the year. Yeah, it was great. I mean, and I also think it was the best 40 minutes of racing of Valtteri Bottas's life. (laughs) Like... (laughs) What is it about drivers finding out they've not got a seat and then just being perfect? Yes. I mean, I guess actually maybe most of his good moves were before this. But the crash brought out the safety car. And after the safety car went in, Bottas was in sixth, having started in 20th. And like the majority of those positions were gained by overtaking people rather than a handy safety car pit stop. So after years of him always moaning about being stuck behind people, there he was just plowing through the field. I loved it. And like Part of me was like Bottas for driver of the day, but then I remembered Ricardo was going to win and he's the best. So Yeah, it was close though. It was close. I don't know who I would have voted for because yeah. Bottas deserved the recognition for his performance all weekend. Yeah. But it was quite telling given that last year, this exact race, Bottas was fifth or sixth. And we were all talking about, oh yeah, the, the Mercedes is not designed to overtake. It's not designed to sit behind other cars. That's why he's struggling so much. And then Lewis fell to the back of the pack and caught him up straight away. Yeah. Whereas this, you know, there's something inside him today, this week, yeah. that just, he could he remembered how to drive. Yeah, I wonder if it is to do with not having that pressure of trying to perform every weekend and prove that he's the driver for the seat. Whereas now he can just be like, yeah, I know what I'm doing for the next few years. Just 
relax into it more. Who are some other drivers that need that? I mean, I feel like Perez is in danger of falling into a similar position because he's not shone as brightly as I would have hoped. No. He had the opportunity this week and he kind of blew it, didn't he? Did he have the opportunity though? Because it was like sacrificed so Max would get a better qualifying position. But in the race, in this second half of the race, he was directly behind. He was on the podium. Mm, that's true. That's true. Well, no. He was fourth and he took third place illegally. Yeah. And it was weird that he made basically the same move and the same mistake in the sprint race. Yeah. He overtook someone on that uh, on the chicane, didn't give the place uh, did give the place back, but then this time he didn't give it back quick enough. I understand why he didn't give the place back in the end though, and took the penalty instead. Because having him in third and eventually stopping Bossas getting to the second and first positions, which let's just say if Bossas would have won that race, that is absolutely incredible. Yeah. But Perez kind of stuck there and stopped him gaining more points on Red Bull. So you knew Perez was going to drop down the order and gain measly points. And what you're doing is stopping Bottas because there are much bigger jumps when you get onto the rostrum. Mm -hmm. And he's stopping Mercedes make like six points in one position on Red Bull. That's interesting. And I guess that does fall back into Perez is purely there as a team player. He's there yeah. to help them win a world championship. Uh, yeah, I didn't realise that. Nice little tactical insight there. And it's a, it's brilliant that we're talking about a title battle with eight races left and we're literally talking about like six points in the Constructors. Like, it's mad. Yeah. Well, it's not even yeah. six points in the Constructors, but it's close enough. I, I don't think it's a lot more than six, you know. It's six in the drivers, isn't it? Yes. I, I'd quite like there to be another half points race just so everything evens up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's so annoying. <laughs> I saw something that said if we have exactly the same result every weekend until the end of the year, Daniel Ricciardo will win the championship by 62 points. <laughs> <laughs> also, I had a question. Because of the sprint points and the fastest lap points and the new way of points being given out. Does Daniel Ricciardo now hold the record for the most points won on a single race weekend? Yeah, he must do. Has he got second place, uh, third place in the sprint point there, point for fastest lap, and then 25 points for winning. So the only way you'd get more is if you won the sprint and then no. win the race. Lewis... Second in the sprint in Silverstone. Oh, yeah. And he won the race and he might have got fastest lap. Let me have a look. Uh, Lewis, yeah, he won the race. Lewis. Oh, Sergio Perez got the fastest lap. But on the sprint... Oh, so they'll be tied then. Yeah, they both got 27. 27 points. It's not a bad record to have. No. Probably the he'd only record to go and... he's going to be tied with Lewis Hamilton for. No, he'd just have to go and beat him in Brazil. Yeah. If that ever happens. If it does. If it does. But yeah, so Perez got his penalty for a shady move. Bottas then stuck behind him. So when they crossed the line, 
Perez finished third, but had to give up the place to Bottas, who was then on the podium, alongside Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris. Incredible. Incredible. And that's like four different winners for four different Italian Grand Prix, I think. Yeah. Which is cool. Four different teams as well. Yeah. And Ricardo's the 12th different driver to stand on the podium this year. That's nuts. Eight different teams as well. Yeah. We really need Robert Kubica to step up his game. <laughs> uh, he was good. Like He only finished a smidge off Giovinazzi to say that Giovinazzi qualified seven. Can we also, we've not even mentioned, and this is absolutely crazy that it's taken us half an hour of recording, George Russell finished ninth. I know. <laughs> he got just... into the points and it's hardly been mentioned. We're just so used to it now. Yeah. Points Dominating. On three out of the last four races. That's nuts. Absolutely. But you're happy now as well because after George got his points in Hungary, you were like, oh, I just want him to win it in a normal race. Yeah. Does this count? Excellent. Yeah. I don't think can... Belgium counted, but this <laughs> definitely counts. Okay. He can leave Formula One with a seal of approval from Will Longman. So, for the first time in, I think, a month after the debacle of the Belgian Grand Prix, and we may have slipped our minds for the Dutch Grand Prix, we're bringing back our one-sentence reviews where we review each team's performance at the Italian Grand Prix in just one sentence, and we do it in championship order. And as I think we've already established, unless uh, our maths got edited out of this podcast, uh, Mercedes are leading the championship by 18 points. So, Owen, over to you for Mercedes. Yeah, for the championship leaders, I've said Hamilton hits hell, but Bottas bounces back from the bottom. The alliteration is back. Alliteration, yeah. (laughs) Just five points behind Mercedes is Red Bull Racing. I have so so Sergio and Mad Max wreck chance for decent points. Next up are the uh, race winners, McLaren. I've said, well-deserved return to the top step after 3,213 days, 170 races, seven driver lineups, and three engine suppliers. Just behind McLaren in the point is Ferrari. I have Scuderia left behind with plenty of pace yet to find. Next, we have uh, the pretty anonymous Alpine. I just said, double points finish despite Ocon's on-track altercations. Despite the five-second penalty, Alpine remain ahead of Alpha Tauri. How have you described their weekend? From heroes of Monza to zero laps of Monza. After Alpha Tauri, we have Aston Martin. For Aston Martin, I've said Seb struggles while Stroll snatches seventh, which hands us nicely off to Williams. I said, can't stop, won't stop scoring points. After Williams, we have Alpha Romeo. Giovinazzi throws away a quality quali, but Kubica shines as he rounds out his Formula One career. Brings us on to the final team, Haas F1 team. For Haas, I have just put the rookies wrangle at the back again. So that was all of our thoughts on this year's Italian Grand Prix. What did you think? Did you agree with any of our one-sentence reviews of the teams? Please do let us know your thoughts on the race on Twitter. You can reach out to the show at Friday Formula or each of us individually. Will, you are... 
at Will Longman. And I'm at Owen underscore Bellwood. So please feel free to reach out on there. We'll be back next Friday with another episode to be kept up to date with all of our releases. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you podcast this. But until then, we hope you have a very lovely weekend. Goodbye. Bye-bye.